Thanks for listening to the Grace Life Podcast. Life is not always what it seems. Most of the time we wear masks, masks that hide reality, masks that protect, masks that lie, masks that make things look better than they really are. We use masks to become other people, an elaborate masquerade. All right, so we're in a series called Masquerade. If you were here last week, we kicked it off, and and today we're going to go on to uh, the second part of it. And as we do that, I've been asked so many questions over the the week before, and then even more this past week as people heard what we were doing, and they said, are you going to talk about this mask, and are you going to talk about that mask, and are you going to talk about this mask? And I'm thinking, man, people are really excited about some of their issues, and the most important thing that I discovered as people ask me all these questions is there, uh, there has to be a couple hundred ways we could do a series to talk about the mask that we wear as, as humans. And, and so I can't do all of those, obviously. So here's what we are going to do. Last week, if you were here, was the introduction to the Great Masquerade. There was a point in history where we began as humans to hide ourselves and to protect ourselves and to not show the true us to the rest of the world. If you want to know more about that, go back and catch that. It's online. What we're going to do for the other three weeks, which is today and the two weeks coming up, is we're going to talk about three big categories or root issues behind the mask that we wear. So each one of these may cover a hundred different masks because I can't take time to go into all of them. And today we're going to start with the mask of persona, which is interesting because a lot of us would have a hard time defining what that even means, right? It's okay. You can nod your head at that one. I saw like everybody kind of like, what is persona? Persona is what a character is portrayed as or perceived by Uh, by another person. So for instance, the best way I can help you think of it is is a movie star. We think we know who those people are, don't we? Because they get similar roles all the time. And the reason for that is because we don't like when we find out someone is not who we thought they were, right? And and you've had a friend for a while and they've always acted like this, and then you discover they're they're fake. You don't want to be around them. And so this is what happens with Hollywood is once somebody becomes branded as, as, as a James Bond type hero, they've always got to be a hero in the movie. Once somebody is branded as a bad guy, they've always got to be a bad guy, right? Once somebody is branded as the sweet loving mother, every role she plays has to be as a mom. And if they ever try to break that, the movie usually fails. Because people can't wrap their minds around Brad Pitt not being who Brad Pitt has always been in every movie. You guys know what I'm talking about? And so we end up with a persona. Why am I covering this for us? Well, here's the reason. Because another way to think of persona is that it's the character that's created in a book by an author. And we're the authors. We're also the main character. And the person that we show to the rest of the world may not actually be the person that God has created us to be. It turns out, honestly, if we were to to really get in and analyze the lives of most people in the room, we're writing fiction. It's not an autobiography. We're trying to be someone we're not, and we're trying to hide the person that we really are. I I, uh, have a lot of experience with this, of course. I think all of us do, but I'll be the transparent one because I've got the microphone. I I grew up in a very small country town here in South Carolina. 
Uh, and uh, if you're not offended, uh, it, it might be correct to use the word redneck would be the town where I came from. Uh, we had railroad tracks and we had one stoplight. Matter of fact, I remember when we got the stoplight. That'll tell you something. And more importantly, I remember when the first chain came to our little town, it was Hardee's, which is, of course, going to be the first thing to come to those small country towns, right? And, and I was a small child when Hardee's finally came, and that was a big deal. We could go to Hardee's without driving 30 minutes to get some food. Anyway, uh, the, the thing about my little country town and most of us being good little country rednecks is, is our school system, for some reason, became really famous for being good. And part of the reason was a nuclear station was built in our, our school district. And, and in order to get the people to like the nuclear station, we're not as afraid of them now as we were when I was a kid. They, they agreed to let all of the taxes produced from this nuclear station go to our school system. I remember when the nuclear station went online because immediately we had a whole brand new fleet of buses, not a new bus, a new fleet of buses, new schools, new classrooms. It was great. And so what happened is we were, we were on just the south side of, of Charlotte in, in, North, in South Carolina. And uh, so all of the, the wealthy people in Charlotte who wanted uh, their kids to be in the best schools, we ended up with a gated neighborhood. And uh, all the, the smart, cool kids live there because their parents were the cool parents who didn't work at the factory. They, they drove sports cars and did all those cool kind of things. And so everybody where, where I went to school, there were the rest of us and there were the cool kids that lived in the neighborhood. You just called them by their name. I'm not going to do it now because it's, it's not that far from here and we're on the Internet. But, but you, just, you just said the name of the neighborhood followed by that's one of those kids that lived there. And so we all wanted to be like them. And, and you know, when you were in middle school and in high school, when you'd go shopping, you would think to yourself, what do the cool kids wear? Yeah, that's what I want. And I even remember one time going to get a haircut and, and uh, trying to describe the haircut one of those kids had to the lady. Like, I want you to do my hair like this. And remember my sisters and my mom were like, where'd you get that idea from? I don't know. Just, just kind of making it up. You know, we want to be like the cool kids. Teenagers, I want you to listen to me today because you're the people who will actually agree with what I have to say. The adults in the room, as I talk today, are all going to think they are above and beyond what I'm going to talk about. They are not. But at least you will acknowledge with me, or, or maybe those of you in your 20s still. I think everybody that's about 30 and beyond are going to be, I'm good. I don't really resonate with what he's talking about. I don't really wear that mask. Teenagers will acknowledge it because at least all of us in the room will acknowledge when we were teenagers, we wanted to be cool. We wanted to be like someone else. The reality is we still do. You just may not agree with me as I talk about it. We have grown up, many of us. We just simply haven't grown out of wanting to be like other people. And so I've got a passage I want to use today, and it's not what I started with. It's not what I intended with. I came in to prepare my message, and I, I created a whole list of scriptures that I thought would be the basis for today's message. And as I was praying the next morning and just kind of walking around my house doing things, I feel like the Holy Spirit told me to use this instead, which is it's a little different, but I think you'll get the point. And it comes out of uh, Psalm 139, starting in verse 13. And it says this, For you formed my inward parts. And there are different ways that different versions word that. Another version may, maybe is a little bit better with these two words here that says, you form my inmost being. 
And I need you to think of it that way because as we talk today, we're not just talking about your inward parts. We, when I say inward parts, you tend to think about blood vessels and organs and skeleton. And, and although God did that as well, I, I need you to think about your inmost being, meaning who you really are, meaning that personality and, and, and when you're funny and when you're not funny. And, and when you're honest and when you don't want to be, everything about you that's in here, part of it which we try to keep hidden, for you formed my inmost being. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And that was the whole reason I felt like God said to do this. Because I bet if we could get you alone and we could put a microphone near you as you're praying, if we could get you to pray out loud and you thought no one was around, just you and God, I really wonder how many of us would say, I'm wonderfully made. I'm wonderfully made. I am thankful for how tall I am or how tall I'm not. I am thankful for the way I look. I am thankful for the race that I have. I am thankful for, and you just keep filling in the blanks. And how silent the room got kind of proved my point, didn't it? Wonderful are your works, which include me, by the way. That's what the psalmist is trying to say. Wonderful are your works. He's not going, wonderful is that mountain? Wonderful is this ocean? No. He's saying, you made me, and wonderful are your works. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. My soul knows it well. That's because we're reading. Now, if we were writing the psalm, we'd say, my soul does not know it well. My soul, which is my mind and my will and my emotions, I'm not good with this. I want to be taller, or I want to be funnier, or I want to be smarter, or I wish I were this and I want to be that. And our will gets involved and our emotions get very involved and we get angry at God for the way that we are. My frame was not hidden from you. When I was being made in secret, your eyes saw my unformed substance, and in your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there were none of them. We use this passage usually when we're doing baby dedications. And you all sit there and you smile and you kind of clap. Oh, that's so sweet. Look at that beautiful little perfect baby. We, we think this is a great description of that wonderful perfect little baby, but not me. Because there's something about me that I wish were different. There's something about me I wish God had created differently. And, and look, can we just go ahead and, and get the elephant in the room out of the room? I'm not talking about the things about you that you could make different, like go to a gym and lose some weight or, you know, whatever. You know what I'm saying? I'm not talking about those things because when God created you in, in the womb, he's not, he didn't create you with a bag of Cheetos beside you in the womb. There are things about your life that, that you have brought to this point. This, is, this message today is not about your circumstances, nor it is about the things that you have control of that maybe you should take control of. It's not about that. It's about who you are at your core and whether or not you're good with that. It's about being the person God made you, having the parents that he gave you, being raised in the situation you were raised in because you had no control over being raised anywhere else. It's about being raised in an era. I had a friend of mine who used to keep saying he was born in the wrong decade. No, he wasn't. 
See, here's what I believe. The overwhelming majority of people, there is a huge difference between the you of Psalm 139 that we just read and the you that you present to yourself in the world. When God formed you and he made you and God put all those ingredients together and he said, you'll be funny like this or you won't be funny like that because you're going to be a serious person and you're going to bring gravity to when everyone else is joking or whatever the case is. God knew what he was doing. And so here's what happens. We wear the mask of persona for one of two reasons. We either wear the mask of persona because we wish we could be someone else. And we try to portray that someone else. Or we simply wear the mask of persona to hide who we actually are. One of those t-shirts, if you were paying attention to the little bumper, one of those t-shirts says that, that I make all of the jokes to hide the pain that's inside. And so there are things we do sometimes and ways that we act and, and we change our personality because we think that other people would like us better and we're simply trying to hide some pain. And I'll be honest, there are a few people in the room. They're probably not very young. I like to be an equal opportunity sharer, but I'll be honest with you, it takes years to usually get to this point. And if you're a teenager and you're here, then you're a miracle. But there are a few people in this room who have walked with Jesus for a long time. That's the second ingredient. They've had to have had some time and they've had to have had Jesus. And they have, for whatever reason, arrived at some experiences. And they've been doing this long enough that they can finally look back and go, you know, I hated that, but I wouldn't be here. I am now good with who I am. And we're, it's just usually not when we're young. We usually have to get to a point where we say, I, I'm glad to be me. And I'm 42, and I'm just now getting to a point I can say that. Is it okay for me to be that transparent with you? Because, see, I was 4'11 when I went to high school. I've told you that kind of stuff before. So guess what I didn't want to be when I went to high school? Short. And you think, seriously, Jimmy? What does your height have to do with your ability to preach? Which is, after all, why God made you. Oh, I get it now. Well, let me laugh at you. What's something about you you don't like? And I can make the exact same obvious point. But when I was a freshman in high school, I didn't really care about my ability to preach. I just wanted to be something other than the geek in the band. And that required being more than 4'11". You don't make the football team at 90 pounds and 4'11". You don't make the basketball team at 4'11". You don't get to do anything cool. And it's all about being cool, isn't it? Here's how the persona begins. It starts with a lie. It starts with this. And by the way, all enemies... All lies come from the enemy. You know that, right? And here's what the enemy does not want. He does not want you to be grateful that you're actually you. He does not want you thinking that God did well when he made you. He does not want you succeeding at being the uniquely created individual that God made you to be. So the lie sounds like this in your head. 
Life would be better if I were more like. Or there is something wrong with me. And it's my. Or maybe it's just this one. People would like me more if. And that's where the lie begins. And so as soon as we begin to believe the lie, the second step comes in. This is not very complicated. There is a lie, and then there is envy. You see, once we believe the lie, we look at the talents of those people. And we look at the bodies of those people. And we look at how God has given them a life. And we look at the lives of those people. And we say, I want that. I want to be James Bond, I want to be Brad Pitt, I want to be LeBron James, I want to be whomever and whatever. We want to be those people. And it's not just wanting to accomplish things because we don't really want to become us. We want to become someone else. But I'll I'll tell you this truth. When we look at these other people and we judge their talents and their skills and and their everything, what we're judging is them succeeding at being them. And I can promise you one thing. You will never succeed at being them. You can only, when you tear off the mask, succeed at being you. And one reason we are so jealous of them is that they are succeeding and we're not. And if we could stop believing the lie for one minute, you need to be taller because you'll make a sports team and you'll be cooler. I mean, that was mine, among many others, by the way. And if we could get rid of that and just say, but I'm wonderfully made. So what was I made to do? Why was I made to be like I am? I'm one of those people that finds the weirdest humor in the weirdest things. Like, y'all laugh occasionally during my messages. And you know what? There's never anything funny in my notes. It just, but God made me that way. Because God did not make me to be a comedian. If I actually try to tell a joke, there's like crickets in the room. No one laughs because they just don't come out right. God did not make me a naturally funny person. Well, actually, that might be backwards. He might have made me an incredibly naturally funny person. I just can't be intentionally funny. I can't make you laugh when I want to. I never know how and when people are going to laugh. You see, what we're saying in our souls when we envy other people is that God did not give us good stuff. God gave them better skills. God gave them better talents. God gave her a better personality. God gave him better looks. They can sing. I can't sing. They're funny or I'm not funny. They're smart. I'm not smart enough. They want to be taller. They want to be shorter. They want head hair. They want facial hair. You know, funniest thing, I'll be vain too for a second. When I was a kid, I decided I didn't want to be bald. I mean, short, skinny, little people don't make very good bald people. (laughs) Just, can we just be honest? I mean, like, if you're really tough and tall and buff, you can be bald and get away with it. People like me, can y'all just imagine me without hair? And so in my vanity, I've asked God my entire life, God, I do not care what color it turns, at what age it turns, just please leave it there. (laughs) And so he has. And I've got some friends of mine who, who, who can't do the same thing, but they can grow the coolest like Fu Manchu things going on, you know what I'm saying? 
Exactly. There's my example. And here's the point. I could, if I don't shave for three days, you wouldn't be able to tell. And I could get all upset about the fact that, that I can't grow anything right here. But you know what? I still got it there. But there are people who would trade and they would trade everything else and they would trade their sense of humor and they would trade their personality. I'm glad we can laugh at those because at the core, it's a lot more serious. And I know right now some of you just tuned me out because you know the irrefutable fact. And the irrefutable fact is that those people are smarter or they are funnier or they are prettier. And we could get 10 judges and 10 out of 10 people would say, yes, that person is prettier than you. Okay, you know what? I'll give you the facts. But my rebuttal is this. You're judging the wrong facts. So what that 10 out of 10 people would say they're prettier? Since when does that matter? It matters in middle school, let's be honest. And it matters in high school, let's be honest. The question is, did you grow out of it? When you stopped worrying about who was going to invite you to the Friday night dance in the gymnasium, did you grow out of worrying about how long your nose is? When you're one of those people who accidentally snorts in the middle of laughing, did you grow out of worrying about it? It's funny, our worship pastor Brett did it the other day. He's one of the coolest people you'll ever meet. And I'll tell you why. I think he's one of the most secure people I know. Because we were laughing in a staff meeting and he snorted and he said, look at that, I just snorted. He didn't go, oh my gosh, they're going to think I snorted. I've never once heard him hide behind anything. He's not afraid to be him. And he's succeeding. He's succeeding. You see, here's what's crazy. The one who actually would score prettiest 10 out of 10, the one who's prettiest would trade it if they could just sing. And the one who could sing would trade it if they could just make the people at the party laugh. And the one who could make the people at the party laugh would trade if they could just make the cheerleading squad. What's my point? My point is that we're never satisfied because nothing's ever good enough because our entire idea is based on a lie. That who you are, made by God, is wrong. Period. And it would simply be better if we were different. At the core, it is all about believing there is something wrong or inferior with how you were created. And the enemy has succeeded at two things. The first is that you don't like yourself. And the second is you don't like the one who created you. It's hard to stand here and sing these songs about how good our creator God is and to lift our hands. When inside you're going, I can't stand that he gave me this life. I can't stand that he gave me these parents. I can't stand that he gave me this skin color. I can't stand that he gave me this or that he gave me that. I can't stand him. And the enemy wins. And we put on the mask of persona because we want to become those people. You see, I, I, I'm really good at imitating people. I went off to summer camp to be a counselor and I spent two weeks with these counselors that they imported from England. Guess what? I went home with a British accent. <laughs> True story. Because they were cool. Everybody wanted to be around those two counselors. 
and I got to share the tent with them, so I got to hang around with them. I wanted to be like them. I can't tell you as a kid how many times my laugh changed. Anybody, anybody, come on, somebody with me? You laugh and you go, oh my God, that person sounds stupid. <gasps> That's me. That's me. I'm not even sure I know what my laugh sounds like anymore. I mean, I know what I've sounded like for the last several years, but I remember changing it and changing it and changing it because I wanted to, to not sound like a dork when I laughed. I don't remember what I naturally laughed like when I was eight. Ask yourself, is there, is there something about you you don't even remember how you were actually created? Here's the truth. God created each of us to his design for a very unique and special purpose. And as I have finally started to walk in what I believe God put me here to do, I finally started to become incredibly thankful for who I am and to discover the great things about my life. And, and it's not an arrogant thing. It is just realizing that if God had given me what I wanted, I wouldn't be where I am today. I wouldn't be who I am today. And I'm not even sure I would like the person that I wanted to become because I do remember that. If you had asked me when I was in high school what I wanted to be, I wanted to be a surgeon. And I'll tell you the one reason I wanted to be a surgeon was because they made a lot of money. As a sophomore in high school, I knew the Mercedes that I already wanted. I knew where I wanted to live and where the vacation homes were and everything. And I think to myself now, if God had given me that much money early on and let me succeed at being that other thing, I would have ruined myself. Because now I know better. Now I understand how much responsibility comes with money. I used to be really frustrated over how little money I had, and now I'm actually thankful because do you understand you will answer for everything God has given you? If God gives you millions, you'll answer for what you've done to advance his kingdom with those millions, period. If God has given you the ability to stand up and speak, you will answer for whether or not you use that for his glory. If God has given you the ability to, to make music, write songs or, or rap or, or any style of performing, God will judge you based on, are you using that to advance his kingdom? If God had allowed me to succeed at being all of those people I wanted to be, I was going to use it all for my own glory so that people would think I'm cool or so that I could be famous or so that I could be rich. I mean, seriously, why does anybody want to be on the basketball team in high school? Except that everybody wants to go out with the basketball player. Except in the fall, they want to go out with the football players. It was all for my own glory. What do you still want for your own glory today? And one of these great lies of the enemy is to get us to hate ourselves. So instead of becoming the redeemed whole version of who God intends, we actually try to become someone else. And the mask may be outward. I need to touch on this because I think some of you are still like, that's a good message, Jimmy, but I don't have your problem. Can I just tell you? Some of us do put on an actual outward mask and we change our laugh or we, we divert all the attention or we go to parties and we're telling all the jokes to hide our pain or whatever. Some of us, the majority of us do wear an outward mask to pretend to be a person we want to be. And it may not always be a person with a name like Tom Cruise. It just may be, I want to be 
different from me. I want to be funnier or I want to be smarter or whatever. And you put on that mask. And so some of you just, I don't really put on a mask, Jimmy. I don't really need this message. Some of you wear your mask inward. If you ever find yourself talking to God or just talking to yourself saying, I wish I were a little different as you look in the mirror. I wish I were just a little more like, even if you never act upon it, if your heart still wishes, then you still struggle with the mask of persona. And here's the worst part of it all. If you think I haven't gotten to it yet, here it is. Why is this mask so bad? Because all of the love and all of the acceptance and, and all of the praise is received by the mask, not you. You don't get any of it. Because when you stand there at the party and you're cracking jokes because you know inside you're just hurting and you're painful. And if I just say something funny constantly, nobody will ask how I'm doing. Nobody will really look at me and I will act like life is great. And as you're telling those jokes and people go, man, you are hilarious. You know you're actually not. And so that praise just falls to the floor because you know it's not the real you. And when you keep acting like this and acting like that and someone praises you for that, it just hits the, the mask like a shield and falls to the floor because you can't receive it. You can't reach out your hands and take it because you'd say, I'm taking the praise of not me. I can't, th that's not me, I can't take it. And so inside you feel as hollow as you ever did because they're praising something you're not. And who you really are never receives any true compliments because you've hidden it so deep and you feel so lonely and you feel so broken. And the mask rejects the love and the acceptance and the praise that's intended for the real you because no one knows it's in there. That's the worst part of the mask is you do all of this to get the acceptance of the world and then you still can't get it. You're still broken inside. So the answer to ripping off the mask of persona and leaving it behind is, is, is really just in one very simple question. You've, you've just got to ask yourself. You've got to look in the mirror and you've got to say, am I wonderfully made? And until the answer is yes, then you need to talk to the Holy Spirit about ripping off this mask. When you can get to a point that says, I'm thankful for my personality. I'm thankful for where I grew up. That was another thing. I couldn't wait to get out of South Carolina. It was my life goal to get out of South Carolina. I went to an out-of-state college. That wasn't too far away, just a few hours. So I decided when I graduated that, I would see how far I could get. And so I moved to Europe. There's a big ocean in between. Not likely I'm going to end up back in South Carolina. To make it even more firm, I'm going to marry someone from another country. 
Because you know how it works. Guys, you end up going where your wife is because your wife has to stay next to her mother. True? I thought I was safe. And now I'm in South Carolina. And no lie, when I was moving back to South Carolina, much against my will, a friend of mine who was very good at hearing from God was praying for me. He came to, you and he came to me and he said, I feel like I have a word for you. He said, God told me, I've redeemed you from your people to send you to your people. I used to hate that I was from South Carolina and had an accent that it shows that I'm from South Carolina. But now I love it. Because I can talk to other South Carolinians and I can tell us what's wrong with us. And you can't hate me for it. Because I'm one of us. Everything about me that I used to resent is what is the very strength in enabling me to do the very thing God has called me to do. If you truly want to be free of the mask, either inward or outward, I'm going to read one verse to you. And it really needs to become your, your, your thing, your mantra, your motto. You need to go home and write it on your fridge or your mirror, whichever one you look at more. Here's what Paul said once he became comfortable with who he was. Am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? If I were still trying to please people, I wouldn't be a servant of Christ. Who am I trying to please? Am I trying to please all of these other kids in school that by the time I graduate, I won't even remember their names? Am I trying to, to impress my boss just so I can get a, a raise? So I'm trying to be the person that I think he wants me to be? You want me to really hit home? You know how many people don't even know who they're married to? Because you're trying to impress your spouse because you think if they knew the real you. If they knew how you really struggled and what you really thought of yourself, that they would leave. You know, I think I hear that more than anything else when I do marriage counseling. And of course, you end up in my office feeling unloved because the mask rejects the love. Your spouse is doing everything in their might to love the person you are pretending to be and you can't receive it. It's time to be you. It's time to be the real you. No more pretending and no more hiding. Let's take off the mask. Amen? I'm going to close with saying this. You will never succeed at being the real you until you are right with the one who created you. Your destiny and your life and your acceptance of yourself and, and your acknowledgement of, of what he's done and the great purpose that he has for your life and the reason that he made you in so many ways that you wish you could change, but they will all come together ultimately if you let them. It all comes into that relationship you have with him. It all comes down to recognizing Jesus died for you. 
You don't have to put on a mask for God anymore. You don't have to pretend to have it all together and to be right and to go to church and to act a certain way that you can actually rip off the mask and say, here I am, broken me. Thank you for dying for me. If you have never had that conversation with Jesus, I want to help you have it right now. I'm just going to lead you in a simple prayer. Would you all pray with me? Say something like this to yourself and to God. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you died for me so that I can be the real me. I thank you for your love and your mercy. I thank you for your forgiveness that you've made a way for me to be right with you so that I no longer have to be ashamed of who I am. And I thank you that you've given me a great purpose so I no longer have to envy someone else's. And today I have a simple prayer that you will give my life great meaning in your kingdom. Amen. Amen. Let's celebrate with those people. If you would stand with me, we're going to worship the God who created us. He deserves all praise. Thanks for listening to the Grace Life Podcast. For more information about us, you can go to gracelife.me. That's gracelife.me. You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com backslash gracelifeme and on Twitter at gracelifechurch.com.